The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the series premiere of Mm. Star Trek Strange New Worlds called Strange New Worlds. Funny enough, I'm Dom Bettinelli, (laughs) and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Star Trek t-shirt by visiting sqpn.com slash merch and you can see uh father Corey, jimmy and i as, as i hang off the end of the uh, starship enterprise uh that's especially appropriate as we're starting with strange new worlds and the enterprise has returned to star trek uh so and i want to tell you about another show on the star quest network you are sure to enjoy called the secrets of technology find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology so, so you could like listen to that and learn how a replicator works. It's a 3D exactly. food printer. Exactly, exactly. And how transporters are murder machines. Uh, actually, that's more of a yes. mysterious world's uh, uh, <laughs> venue. <but. laughs> so uh, let, uh, let's go, go right into it. And uh, Jimmy, can you give us a, uh, a recap of this episode? Enterprise has been undergoing repair work for three months, and in that time, Captain Pike has been holed up in Montana, licking his wounds from the vision he saw of the moment in his future where he gets crippled. But Admiral Robert April recalls him to service and sends the Enterprise to a planet where number one was on a first contact mission that has gone wrong. Meanwhile, on Vulcan, Spock gets engaged to T'Pring, but Pike recalls him to duty. When they get to the planet, they discover that the first contact ship is there, but its super small crew of just three people is missing. The trigger for first contact is detecting a warp signature, but it turns out that the people on the planet haven't built a warp drive but a warp bomb to destroy a rival faction on the planet. So they're not qualified for first contact. To make matters worse, it turns out that they figured out how to build the warp bomb by using telescopes to observe events in the second season of Star Trek Discovery, confirming once again the massive damage that Discovery has done to the Star Trek franchise. (laughs) Spock, Picard, and the new security officer, La'an Noonien Singh, beam down and rescue number one and her two crewmates. Pike then decides to break general order number one by approaching the leader of the pre-warp civilization that has the bomb. Pike wants to convince her to give up war and negotiate with the rival faction, but the leader says no, that whoever has the bigger stick wins, and now she has the bigger stick because of the warp bomb. Pike then says, not so fast. Actually, I have the bigger stick. And then he extra super duper breaks the prime directive by ordering the Enterprise to come down into the atmosphere in a show of superior strength. He then makes a speech at a summit meeting between the two leaders, shows them home videos of the horrors that Earth went through and manages to convince them to give up war and join the Federation. We then get a montage showing the aliens embracing Pike's message. Back at Starbase One, Admiral April has used a technicality to get our heroes off the hook for their extra super chocolate fudgy violation of the Prime Directive. And we conclude with new crew members being introduced and the Enterprise warping off on its five-year mission. The end. That's a lot. And yeah. uh, it it this this uh, 
episode picks up, as you mentioned, Jimmy, picks up from things that had happened in Discovery. So it's sort of we get that continuity. And if you hadn't watched Discovery second season, it might have been unclear about what what Pike was going on about at the beginning of this episode, especially and and his, you know, moral quandary throughout or not moral, but his internal his internal conflict. Existential conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And but they show us lots of flashbacks so you can kind of get the idea, even if you didn't see it or the original series. Yeah. Yeah. So that is that is good. Uh, I, I wanted to mention one thing that was I thought was kind of interesting that isn't actually part of the episode, but right at the beginning is they have this new teaser clip that they're they're doing for mm-hmm. star trek shows you know sort of yep. like a lot of like mcu does and star wars yeah. does you know it i thought it was kind of an interesting little uh addition that they're making and it's sort of i think the idea is they're wanting to tie together the star trek universe this yeah it's, cinematic it's, it's a branding it's a branding yeah, thing it's just like star wars does star wars has their little opening thing where they show all the helmets you know it's the same basic idea yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's more waste more time wasting it's yeah. like when you put in a dvd you first got it not only do you have to watch the don't pirate this dvd message but <laughs> yeah. you've, you've got to um watch all of this branding before you get yep. to what you're here for and it's the same thing now with streaming services i've noticed a glitch in i watch these new star trek series is on amazon through a subscription to paramount plus mm-hmm. and and before Every time, no matter how old the episode is or what series it belongs to now, I have to watch all this branding before I get to see the series. And there's a malfunction in the um, programming these days where it's got to show me the Paramount branding twice before every episode Mm, and now it's just like one more piece of branding (laughs) just show me the story okay i'm paying for it right exactly exactly yeah they're just they're just taking the theater model i went to see the the movie father stew last week and there were not just were there the six or eight trailers there were commercial after commercial after commercial including for strange new worlds by the way um (laughs) So, I mean, it's just like they're, they're they're following that model that they know they can load in all this advertising before you actually get to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's a little a little thing to, just to throw in there. Uh, I, I was interested in this, the cold open that they did for this episode, which is we have the voiceover talking about encountering UFOs or what, what we would call today UAPs and how mm-hmm. these this aliens of this planet Kylie, which is kind of a funny name, uh, the planet Kylie, where they they see the Federation starship in their atmosphere, and it's their encounter with an you know aliens for the first time when they you know it's being presented. In that I just thought it was kind of funny, given how in our you know real world we are we're seeing the you know the New York Times reporting the uh, the um, a tip videos of you know gun camera videos, and it's the sort of thing seeing it from their point of view. I just thought it was kind of uh, funny to kind of twist it like that. And so first contact with aliens. They also fake us out, making it look like this could be Earth in the early 21st century, because you see these military uniforms and you're seeing everyone from behind. And it's not until one of the aliens turns around and you see, oh, on Star Trek, they have either aliens with weird foreheads or aliens with spots. And today we've got aliens <laughs> with weird foreheads with spots on them. Spotted yeah. foreheads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, and, and the technology definitely looked like, you know, something you might see a command bunker in today's 
world, you know, with the big, big LCD display and the little monitors and everything, you know, it looked like something you could potentially see contemporaneous to today. Yeah. The tech for the planet called Kylie, uh, is about 21st century Earth. Kylie 279. 279. Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't know what the Kylians call themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Really mention that. Yeah. I love that when in, in, in Star Trek, we, everyone's name is whatever the Earth, people from Earth called them. <laughs> so yeah. uh, then we have, we cut to uh, Pike in Bear Creek, Montana. Father, yes. how far is, is Bear Creek a real place and how far is it from you? It, is a real place it's about 290 miles by the road about 300 miles by road but this week i have my priest retreat so by the time you hear this i will be on retreat near red lodge montana and will be 10 miles from bear creek so nice. i will go have to go scout it out i don't remember any uh windmills there though the the <laughs> wind generators but could be yeah there's a wind farm there in pike's day yeah and, and yep. lots of snow i i, I saw someone that- on our discord kind of compl- uh, complaining like the idea that why would they have wind farms in the 20 fourth century have antimatter reactors <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it's for nostalgia like we have roman yeah. aqueduct still you know <laughs> that, that's that's the bear creek historic wind farm who knows no. <laughs> killing birds like the train for centuries there. i mean yeah it looked like the train there i mean it looked like that part of montana so it would be interesting knows? So we're told it's Stargate 1739 at this point, although later on. Star date. I know. Yeah. And no, later on, the the star date is 2259. 20. And it's like, why is there a massive jump of 500 star dates in a single episode? I, I wonder if there used to be back a long time ago, a speculation that star dates were both location and time dependent. Yeah. Gene Roddenberry made that nonsense up and I I actually challenged him on it. Um, Yeah. He was in the seventies. He was doing a lecture tour to make money and he was going to college towns and lecturing on Star Trek. And as a kid, I went and saw him. And during the question period, I had read his nonsense explanation that star dates are dependent on where you are in the galaxy and how fast you're moving and stuff. And I came up with an alternative system that was much better and was based on the fact that stars actually rotate. So they have star days. And right. I I sketched the idea briefly in the question period, and he gave me his business card to correspond with him later about. Oh, funny. Cool. Hey, that's a funny little thing. I actually got, uh, got Gene Roddenberry's business card once, too. Someone uh-huh. gave to me, so it's kind of funny. It was actually kind of cool that start the enterprise. On it. <laughs> was it was it the blue one with the Norway Productions on it? Uh, I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time. It's like at least thirty mm-hmm. years since I remember since I saw it last. Uh, but yeah, I had the Enterprise on it, so I, I, it oh. might have been a different card. Yeah, mine didn't. It just said Norway Productions on it, and it had kind of a, it was blue and and oh, okay. uh, had a blue background and stuff. Oh, cool. I feel left out. I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had it now. I mean, that thing probably worth something. Well, use the replicator on your desk next to your computer yeah. to print you one. That's right. I'll have yeah, to exactly. download the. Uh... <laughs> and anyway, uh, Pike is there in his gorgeous. Uh, lodge in the, it's winter mm-hmm. oh, time. I thought you were going to mention the gorgeous woman. Okay. Well, it's sure. with yeah, the gorgeous, woman. gorgeous woman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, I, I'm I'm uh, married, so I'm mainly looking at the lodge. Uh, uh, but uh, although I, I didn't notice there was a gorgeous woman there, uh, and he's watching the day the Earth stood still on his big uh, big screen TV on the wall, which was fun. Uh, while making breakfast. While making breakfast. Yep. Yeah, I I really I like the fact that uh, he is apparently a, a classic sci fi fan. 
he's he's got that awesome beard going on, which I I wish he kind of kept the rest of the episode. You know. Yeah, I know Spock looked better with a beard too. Although, yeah. if, uh, although I'll tell you that you know, um, Pike needed to comb his. They were making him. <laughs> yeah. They were making him deliberately look un undisheveled. Yeah. Um. And and it's like I mean I can understand waking up, but okay. You got a gorgeous woman over. Comb your beard, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> She's he's a going one. for the. Yeah. He's going for the Mount, 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 Montana man out in the out in the boonies. Yeah, you know, that's what he's going for. Grizzly Adams thing going on there. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, apparently she's a, a captain. Uh, yeah, they we, have we a don't casual... learn her, her first name. Her name is Captain Battelle. Right, and uh, she's in. He's thinking about leaving Starfleet, retiring uh, after his prophecy of his of his future. And that's going to be a, a big theme in this episode. And probably through the season is when you know that your death is coming, when you've got advanced knowledge of how or death or virtually a death, uh, if you know how, and, and I think he knows basically when. Yeah. He, when, he yeah. said it's a little under a decade from now. What do you do? How do you deal with that? I mean, that isn't like you said, an existential crisis. Do I you run do from we it? All, you do what we all do. Pretend it's not going to happen and get on with life. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Well, in fact, that comes up. Where did that come up? It came up in something else. I don't know if it was in Picard or somewhere else where someone or was it this one where you you just pretend that, you know, you go on. You just we, we all pretend you, to the you, very last second forever. that we're going to live yep. forever. Um, yeah, because otherwise, why feel bad? If it's not going to change, then you may as well not torture yourself with it before it gets there. So just mm -hmm. ignore it and do what you need to do. Right. Well, because there's, there's the issue, too, of, of, you know, being melancholy. You know, he's melancholy about it stuff. You know, and, and he, of course, you know, it's, it's going to affect you. And you're going to be melancholy. It's like, well, I know people that probably if they knew exactly when they were going to die, they're going to live it up until then. Right. Eat, drink, and be married. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like because they know they ain't going to have to worry about dying from, you know, an accident or whatever because they know exactly how it's going to happen. So, hey, let's have fun. I mean, there's a Christian concept of memento mori, right? Like, we remember, mm -hmm. you are mortal. You are going to die someday. So live as if. Today is your last day. Live as if you, you know. Well, yeah, up to a point, Lord Copper. I mean, <laughs> we, we shouldn't be torturing ourselves with right. the thought of death. But we, yes, we should be making moral decisions based on the fact that we're mortal. Sure. Exactly. Right. right. Because you never know, because today could be your last day. You, you know, the, the, the proverbial bus uh, should, could be coming for you tomorrow. So uh, so it, it will. We, I think we could talk more about that as we go on. Uh, but the, uh, as you mentioned, number one was on that, that mission to that new planet, Kylie, uh, 279 and on the ship was called the USS Archer, a clear reference to Jonathan Archer from, uh, Enterprise. And people, when they showed it briefly on the screen, people may have been surprised because it's got the recognizable saucer section, mm -hmm. but it, it has only one warp engine that is mounted underneath the saucer mm -hmm. section. Um, and that's a design that was originally introduced in the Starfleet technical manual back in the seventies for what's yep. mm -hmm. called a scout class ship. Yep. But scout class ships are still the size of the enterprise in terms of their length and width and stuff, mm -hmm. even though they got one warp engine and no secondary hull. Um, and like, why is there only three people on this thing? That's super convenient. According, yeah. according to the Starfleet technical manual, the Hermes class starship has a crew complement of 20 officers and 175 crew. 
Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> we have three people on board. Come on. So I, I was I had one of the original uh, copies of that. Speaking of having. Yeah, me too. Rare things. Still got it. Yeah. I love that. That thing. Um, <laughs> so Starfleet wants Pike to go, but he's reluctant. Uh, not sure why he's going to be the one. I mean, obviously, he would have a, a reason to go because his number one is out there. Una. Mm-hmm. Uh but who gets a last name, by the way, Chin Riley. Yeah. Una Chin Riley is number one's full name now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I mean, maybe maybe Admiral April um, had a special reason. I mean, mm-hmm. it could just be he wants he, he wants Pike back in service mm-hmm. that he knows his friend is dithering. And so he's he's given him a kick in the butt to get him back in the captain's chair and uh, and get him active again, so he's not stewing and brooding about should I leave Starfleet? Right. Yeah, that would uh, be my guess. Incidentally, they established so for people who may not know who Robert April is, Robert April was the original uh, captain of the Enterprise on its first five year mission before mm-hmm. Pike, mm-hmm. Um, and they've race swapped him. Yes. Um, yep. Because April appears as a Commodore in the animated series. And I, he also appears once, I think, on screen in live action. In Discovery. Um, in Discovery. OK. Um, but um, now he's a black dude, which is <laughs> fine. But why? Right. You know, I right. mean, you already established him. You could have some other if you want a black admiral, that's fine. But why make him Robert April? You know, right. just give him a different name. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess they wanted to make that connection, like that they're, that he was, it's that just, P- it's, Pike was it's, his first officer or something. It's, it's well, yeah. checking, it's checking a woke tick box is all it is. It's, uh, it's, you know, um, we want the first captain to be black. Okay, well, fine, whatever. But, you know, it's, it, there's, there's, there's no real reason for this other than woke, woke virtue signaling on the part of the, on the part of the TV show makers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, animated series episode was called the counterclock incident, by the way, just uh, in case mm-hmm. anyone's interested in lo- going to look that up. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm more, I'm, I'm more open to like race and gender swaps. If you're rebooting a series, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, like when they rebooted Battlestar Galactica, I had no problem with uh, Starbuck being a woman now. And Boomer. Yep. And, and, and Boomer. Yeah, yeah. Being a woman now. Um, so but when you're not redoing a reboot, when you're in the same continuity, it's a little more like why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, there are a lot of nods, by the way, to original series in this. We'll get to them as we get as we go through. But uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. Uh, so you mentioned uh, Spock and T'Pring. T'Pring. Spock and T'Pring are on a date. And I guess it's he's thinking that she's called him. She's, she's asked him to go out to dinner because they're getting engaged. I think that's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. context is he's waiting for her. To, maybe on Vulcan, the women ask the men. Yeah, th- this is also a little bend- continuity bending because when T'Pring was originally introduced, it was in, it was indicated that this was an arranged marriage. Mm. And that they were already married and so forth. And. Um, and I think they followed up on that in the animated series, establishing that, uh, Spock and T'Pring were like bonded in a ceremony when they were children. I think they mentioned that in this though, that they're betrothed as children, Mm -hmm. but that's a Mm -hmm. promise to future engagement. So betrothed, engaged and married. And then by the Mm -hmm. time we get to a mock time in the original series, 
the marriage has occurred, mm-hmm. I think, or that, or was that the fight, like the finalization of the marriage? Like it, like, like we have, um, I don't know. You know this better, Jimmy, but uh, in in the scripture where Mary and Joseph were betrothed, but yeah, not yeah, yet yeah. married. That's and of that thing. was that was customary in Jewish culture. You paid the bride price or the mohar, um, like a year. You you purchased the bride and you're engaged or legally you're married. But we don't have mm-hmm. a word for this state in English, so we it's often just called betrothed. But it is legal marriage because uh, it has to be dissolved by divorce, and like you wait a year before you begin cohabiting. Okay. And during during the year, the husband like prepares a place for the bride. You know, he like builds a house or whatever he needs to. Okay. Okay. So I I, I figured it was something like that, but it was it wasn't clear, and I think they could have done a better job of of mm-hmm. making that clear what that relationship is there. Yeah, because he mentioned that that he had made. You know, he's talked about he had to respond to Pike because he had vows that he had made, and she's like, "You means the one you just made." Right. You know, mm-hmm. so that made it sound like this was the actual marriage point instead of like a, you know, a formal engagement or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not sure if they're technically married or not. They may be. Um, but if so, it was a pretty informal marriage. It just happened at a restaurant. Yeah. Um, but th- so Spock notes that they're meeting on the anniversary of their some courtship thing. Mm-hmm. And Topring finally proposes, and he says, "I was beginning to think you would never ask." And then I love how they they start um, they start uh, I, they kiss, and mm-hmm. the waiter comes over and says, "I'm sorry, I have to ask you to do that somewhere else." So <laughs> like no public displays of affection on Vulcan. Get a room. And 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 I love Topring's follow up line after the waiter says, "I have to ask you to do that somewhere else." She says, "What an excellent idea." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I think that I like the fact that. We they're really establishing Vulcans are not emotionless. They just mm-hmm. don't display them outwardly in a yeah. you know, in, in excessively. So I think I like that better than what we've gotten before, which is a as if Vulcans have no no actual emotions. Yeah. Also, um, Spock is not Ponfard at the moment. No, um, no, but he's clearly fully functional because we have matrimonious interrupt us when Pike gets on the phone. Yeah, not sure we needed a Vulcan love scene. <laughs> I could have done without without that. Yeah. Well, we didn't quite get it. We were getting there, though. Yeah, yeah this yeah. we we were still in the warm up phase, so to speak. We, yeah. we did that. Did uh, precipitate a, uh, actually a kind of a funny line where uh, Pike comes on the screen and he's a Spock. Are you naked? <laughs> No, yeah. this is why video calls are bad. Yeah, this is, I, I like to prangs. He was about to be <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And she says it's a special night. So maybe they were. Maybe that was their their um, mm-hmm. honeymoon, their matrimonial night, I guess. So. Yeah. And I, she, she knew Chris because she said, Chris, you know, yeah. we were, you know, he was about, you know, or you kind of interrupted us. Yes. I, 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 I there's a, a novel by John Scalzi. I, I forget which one it is, but it's one that's it may be agent to the stars but it's one that's set on contemporary earth and he wrote it before cell phones um so after cell phones came in and after telemarketers became a plague that congress will not stop for some reason Mm -hmm. um everyone's just gone to screening their calls you know so the phone rings now if it's not a recognized phone number in your contacts 
don't answer it. You don't answer it because nope. it's going to be a telemarketer. And so people have stopped doing this. But back in the day, especially back before um, before cell phones, when you had landlines and you had to mm-hmm. run to the phone mm-hmm. to answer yeah. it, people would run to the phone all the time, no matter what they were doing. And in this John Scalzi novel, you have this alien talking about um, how humans are so socially dependent and obsessed. They will run to the phone no matter what's happening. Um, even they will interrupt mating to run to the phone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, that's also and, before and this call is like, ID. So you never to- knew who was yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and this is like totally irrational social dependence from the point of view of aliens. <laughs> right, right. Which is uh, why answering machines were a good thing. <laughs> and that actually kind of recalls what was going on earlier, which was Pike refusing to pick up his communicator, even though it was ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing, which I think is kind and of funny. Well, I like, too, that they had an old rotary phone behind it. Yeah. And so she says, you know, are you going to pick up the phone? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that was good. So Pike has been convinced you, to go. You should, you should for your communicator, though, be able to have a personalized ringtone. So everyone know who's, you know, if it's your communicator that's ringing. Yeah, that would be actually good. I mean, although can you imagine the, <laughs> the ringtones? <laughs> you get a, well, a, a rickroll everybody every time your phone, your communicator rings. That would be a fun for the, throwback. For the- for those who who can't who are hard of sight, you know their their sight is isn't good. You can actually get where it will say "Call from Domenico Bettinelli." Yeah, you, you can have it announce it. That would be good too. And that, that, why, why communicators don't say Admiral, uh, Admiral April is calling again. Admiral <laughs> April is calling again. Well, you've got AIs now. You could have like the equivalent of uh, the S lady on your on your communicator. I mean, what that would you would think anyway? That's all firefield. Pike takes the shuttle up to the Enterprise. Uh, the shuttle is called the Stamets, which uh, mm-hmm. that's a very quick uh, homage to to Stamets, who has now gone missing, obviously from from their hmm. time. Um, and the for some reason he he takes the shuttle up and then beams aboard to the Enterprise, as opposed to just docking it's or just so up. we can get we just so we can get the beauty shot of yeah. the Enterprise yep. in space dock, which I appreciate, I, and it does recall oh, yeah. previous uh, like the the motion picture. Uh, beauty shots of the enterprise and space dock too. So mm-hmm. um, Spock gives him an update on what's going on, including a notation that Pike had requested a transfer aboard of a Lieutenant Kirk, uh, not that Kirk, but it turns out to be his brother, George Kirk, who's yeah. coming aboard in the science division. Who's going to be killed by a flying scorpion space omelet in a few years. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, apparently, which, which, by the way, by the way, did uh, Samuel Kirk is what they call him. George Samuel Kirk is yeah. his name. Did he not look like uh, uh, what's his <laughs> no, name? Uh, guy Friedman on uh, guy on a uh, galaxy quest. I've, oh. I've even this other, the mustache and everything. Other yeah. people have picked up on that there. I just this morning I saw a little video where someone mashed it up with galaxy yep. quest where you've got at the end guy coming on the bridge of the galaxy quest and mashing that up with George Samuel Kirk coming on and talking to Pike. Well, yep. he, he had to have the mustache because in the that episode, um, uh, what a little no, not what Operation a little, Annihilate, Operation Annihilate the the we see his face and he has a mustache, you know, that the, that Sam Kirk has a mustache. So they had to give him a mustache. But it's like that is like, <laughs> oh, that is not a good mustache on him. He should not have a mustache. Uh, but uh, we would apparently we're going to see uh, Jim Kirk at some point in the in, in the second two. season. Yeah, season two. Yep. So that'd be fun. Uh, the head of security is uh, Lieutenant La- Lieutenant Laan Nunian Singh. 
Mm-hmm. That's a familiar well, name. Should, well, and, and she should look familiar, too, uh, for Doctor Who fans. This is Christina Chong, who played the soldier from A Good Man Goes to War. Right. The one that ran with the doctor. That's where I saw her from. Yeah, she did look familiar. Interesting. Yep. By the way, so what's so and I have an answer to this, but what's with all the Noonians in Star Trek? Because <laughs> we've got Khan Noonian saying he was the original. Then in yep. the next gen, we had Noonian Soong, who right. was Data's builder. And now we have La'an Noonian Singh. So what's with all the Noonian sing songs? <laughs> well, um, it turns out Gene Roddenberry had a friend in the military uh, named Kim Noonien Singh, oh. and it's homages to that friend of, of Roddenberry's. That's so that's why this keeps cropping up. Oh, oh cool. interesting. Well, at least in also in the reason this character is Noonien Singh is she's apparently going to be revealed as a descendant. Yeah, of probably Khan. Khan. So, mm-hmm. um, yes. we'll and and there there are various things. So they they give us her backstory. This is so one of the things you look for in episodes of new series is really any series is, but especially new ones is when they're establishing the ensemble cast. They tend to take an episode and focus on one member of the ensemble mm-hmm. cast. So you get to know this person. And this is the La'an Noonien Singh episode. Yep. So we learn a lot about who she is and her backstory. She apparently was as a small child on a colony ship that was captured by a mysterious race that Starfleet doesn't really know anything about yet. And it's the Gorn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they killed, they took the the people from the colony ship, including her and all her family to a nursery planet that they had where they're apparently it's like a nursery for young Gorns that they're presumably Mm -hmm. hatching out of eggs and horrific things happen there. She is the only survivor as part of some kind of ritual. It's like they always let somebody go. They always let the last survivor go. They put them on a space shuttle or something and send them up into space, even though they're not really expecting them to survive. So it's some kind of like, ritual with the universe of we always let somebody go so technically we're not we're not being as bad as we could be here right (laughs) but she saw her planet her her um family vivisected so you know like dismembered alive and then eaten alive or Mm -hmm. used as breeding sacks alive so presumably Mm -hmm. they were laying eggs in her relatives And all of that's really horrific. And so she has a really horrific backstory. Um, She is another thing they reveal about her is she is very opposed to being sedated. Mm -hmm. And in in this Dr. Mbenga um, and Nurse Chapel are producing and I like this tech. They do some technological improvements over previous series. So in previously, they would like have Dr. McCoy do surgery on Kirk and Spock to make them look Romulan so they could infiltrate a Romulan ship. Well, now they're establishing they're also doing genetic surgery on people mm-hmm. so they can pass a DNA scan. And so they're going to do this DNA procedure and then accelerate the change in body morphology so they look like they've so that they rapidly develop weird foreheads with spots and um and this is a very painful procedure but uh but laan refuses to be sedated for it and so she has some reason she doesn't want to be sedated presumably connected with 
maybe they sedated her relatives before they did stuff to him. I don't know, but she really didn't want to be sedated. I like that she is shown as very inventive and capable Mm-hmm. As a security officer, she thinks her way out of situations like at one point she on the fly invents a ruse and a trap to get them where they need to go. Um, and and she, I, I like how she is portrayed as very intelligent, very competent, and she avoids the so far the cliched writing we typically get for security directors like. Tasha Yar and Worf, where they want to blast things at the first opportunity and all they are is paranoid about threats and they haven't shown La'an that way. And so I like this better take on that role of security chief. Well, and she's they they show her where she's looking, you know, she's looking at the archer sitting there empty, just floating in space, ready to go. I mean, it's all systems green, as they said. And she immediately goes, raise the shields now. And of course, Spock's like, well, there's no reason to. It's like, raise the shields now. Right. And of course, they raise the shields in time for the, the torpedoes to come flying up from the planet. Right. She knew that it was a trap. She's cautious, but she's not not uh, overly Kill aggressive. Kill them all now, Captain. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I was going to say, it, it does recall a little bit like Tasha Yar's backstory, which is, you know, Tasha Yar, the security chief who grew up on a plan, a failed uh, colony. And fortunately, that sort of stuff. we don't have rape gangs here. Yeah, this is a, a much yet. better <laughs> take on that. Uh, and of course, we'll we'll get more about her connection to Khan as well, I'm sure, as we go on. Uh, so that that's interesting. Well, and we get to learn more about the Gorn. Now, I mean, you, you, both of you obviously know more about TOS than I do. There really wasn't a lot of development of Gorn. There was the Gorn one episode there. about the Gorn in the original series and yeah, pretty yeah. much nothing since then. So we well, get more development of them. And we're, we're supposed to get a Gorn episode in, in this yeah. season. That so. would be cool. Yeah. Um, the Gorn have been mentioned a few times, like they were mentioned on Deep Space Nine a few times. and But we did get a two-parter. It was the uh, In a Mirror Darkly. Uh, two-parter mm. in Enterprise in set in the oh, mirror right. universe where a Gorn got on board the Enterprise and oh. and yeah. evil Archer had to fight it and they were like um, they used gravity plating to nail it to the floor. <laughs> so, right. Mm, right. Um, but uh, which is another thing I I like because it's yes you would actually use gravity plating to immobilize enemies on a starship. It is a great way sure. to, yeah to <laughs> to to, for, to uh, <laughs> stop invaders. Uh, we have uh, Cadet Uhura at the communications. So we have uh, the the origin of Uhura on the Enterprise here. And she is spoken of as being a, like a prodigy when it comes to mm-hmm. communications, but they don't really flesh out what that means yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we have, and throughout the episode, we have these moments where Pike gets distracted by visions of his future maimed self. Like as they go about mm-hmm. to head up from space dock, you know, he sees his reflection in the, the screen on his chair and it's his, you know, maimed face. Uh, and it keeps happening. Um, so presumably he needs a, a nice psych eval and a sit down with a counselor to yeah. deal with this stuff as opposed to what he's doing. But, he, you know, we are presumably by the end of this episode, he's come to some sort of resolution with that. I mean, I'm sure he's still going to be struggling with it, but it, it's not as going to be as as severe. Yeah, he uses by the end of the episode, his personal character arc is he's come to accept the idea that he can use the knowledge of his future for good. Mm-hmm. 
and yes. it can make him a better captain. Yeah. Incidentally, I wanted to mention, um, so we hear a couple of pieces of, of jargon mm-hmm. on the bridge that uh, one of which I liked, one of which I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So at one point, Pike is asking, and I forget if it's the helmsman or the ops person who answers, but uh, says, how, how is this system functioning? And, and we hear it actually a couple times in the episode, but the answer is it's working five by five. And five by five is actual military jargon. It's mm-hmm. really applied in communications, mm-hmm. yep. uh, which is not, I believe, what it was applied to here. But yeah. the, what the two fives stand for, it's a rating on one to five. Five being mm-hmm. the best. Um, and it's used in communications to indicate signal strength and signal clarity. Yep. So if you have two fives, that means the signal is loud and it is clear. So loud and clear is what it really means. But I'm hearing you five by five. Yeah, right. but I've, exactly. I've seen it applied to other systems in tv sci-fi they do the same thing on babylon 5 mm-hmm. ivanova will say this system is working five by five even if it's not a communication system right um what i don't like is um at the as he's leaving the bridge pike tells the um the ortega the the new helmsman um, you've got the calm. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and okay. This is not a real phrase. Yeah. The phrase is you have the con, the con C O N N short for conning tower right. on, on a ship on, a, uh, which is, you know, where it's, it's the lookout, you know, it's right. so they, they, so the being in control in of the conning tower means yeah. you're in charge. Um, but William Shatner could not remember the line and he would alternate mm. between you have the con and you have the com <laughs> And 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 as a result, we have in this episode, Captain Pike saying you have the calm. (laughs) I almost could see that being done on purpose. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure it was. Yeah. But, of course, on TNG, a lot of times you would hear you have the bridge. That's how they would say it. And con, I've also seen it as con as a shortened for control, control the ship. So I've Mm -hmm. I've seen that, too. But in any case, yeah, calm is probably a folk etymology. Yeah. Yeah. Calm or command, uh, I think, is what they're trying to go for. But it, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, the the other bit of technology that I really like here, where they were thinking, of how would you do this, or what could we do that we haven't done before technologically, is um, th- they now have incorporated um, clothing redesign as part of the transporter process. So mm-hmm. you don't have to like replicate a costume to wear on the planet. It will the transporter will do that for you. So it's like sliding down the bat pole and magically have your clothes change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So if we're going to talk about transporters, this is uh, this will be the time when I'm going to talk about the transporter that where they're turning into the magic machine, because mm-hmm. now yes. we can transport medication directly into the bloodstream. Come on. <laughs> it wasn't even bloodstream. It was like on his eye, literally. Yeah. On, on his eye. It, it's just. I think it's a dramatic danger because when the when the machine can do literally anything, you are sucking some of the drama out of the out of the script. If if, if the story, 
I don't mind it in principle because I like that they're thinking through how could we use this? What are all the different ways we could use mm-hmm. it? My issue is it's inconsistent with with original series era transporter technology. Right. Because right. they weren't even doing site to site beaming at that point. Yeah. That yeah. that was something that came in with next gen. And so I I I I like that they're thinking it through, but it's inconsistent with what they've previously established for this time period. Yeah. Right. yeah. And that actually where the addition of an emergency medical transporter makes a lot of sense where you could have a transporter in sick bay for that purpose. If, you know, someone needs to be being direct to sick bay. Right. They literally can beam to the transporter in sick bay. And as far as I know, there's nothing in TOS that says it couldn't have been there. They just never right. showed it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I do like the idea of getting medical teams to the point of a of a problem right right away. That's that's a perfect idea. Probably a mm-hmm. damage control transporter, too. And what we're talking about here for folks who haven't seen the episode is because of Spock's weird half Vulcan, half human genetic code, the gene editing they do on him doesn't stick. His his mm-hmm. natural gene replication process starts to overwrite it with Vulcan DNA and, or with Vulcan human hybrid DNA, and they need to give him a booster of yeah. the and so they at one point especially in his eye because he has to do yep. a retinal scan and his retina needs to look like it's made of you know whatever the retinas are like on this planet and so they need to get at the booster into his eye specifically mm. and and the the transporter chief who is I guess Kyle. supposed to be Kyle I mean mm-hmm. the same yep. Kyle from the series and in that case they've race swapped him again yeah. like mm-hmm. why um, but, um, but he objects and says the transporter can't do that. And they say, we'll make it do it. And so it is at least an, like an untested emergency procedure. The, the flip side of the argument, by the way, of having a magical device that can accomplish stuff is, I mean, the counter argument is that can accelerate the plot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's like why in modern Doctor Who, they brought back the sonic screwdriver, because if you've only got 45 minutes to tell this story, you need tools that you can use to quickly right. accomplish things that right. otherwise you'd have to have a whole sequence of how are we going to do this? Right. But it's going to be the inconsistency. So that's mm-hmm. good. Well, and they, they had to have the, uh. You know, running through the hallway sequence, which was funny. It was so much fun. Right. Uh, Nurse Chapel chasing after the guy who escaped was, oh. was a fun scene and everything. Yeah. With a but with a great payoff. Because yeah. so so one of the they've had to beam up these two aliens that they're impersonating and they have them sedated in so that they won't violate the prime directive by letting the aliens have knowledge. But the sedation doesn't work. And the two aliens wake up almost simultaneously and one of them gets out of sick bay and goes running down the hallway. And um, like you would if you found yourself on an alien spaceship. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe out of here. <laughs> and 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 uh, and Dr. Menga turns to Nurse Chapel and says, like Delta Scorpio I-7. So apparently they've done this before. Right. <laughs> and, and she goes running after the guy while he gets new sedatives ready or something. And she's yep. chasing the guy down the hallway and he runs into an elevator and the elevator doors close and. Lieutenant or cadet Uhura is standing next to him and she just looks over and says, hi. And (laughs) and then when when the elevator doors open and they come out, Uhura is talking to him about a game that they play on his planet called tag ball. And and apparently she's been listening to the broadcasts 
from their yeah. planet. They never say yeah. this, but apparently she's been listening to their broadcast. So she knows about she's been learning about their culture and she's talking to him about. I heard like the best tag ball game ever was Cone Rockets versus Boom Shield. What did you think? Yeah. And he's totally <laughs> you know, set at ease by the, all this sports ball talk. Yeah. And, and so she was able to calm him down. Whereas, <laughs> right. whereas nurse chapel was freaking him out by chasing him. But Uhura has now calmed him down. And as they walk out of the elevator, nurse chapel has used the emergency medical transporter to get where they're going. And she just reaches over and sedates him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the amazing thing about that is on Kylie two, seven, nine, the tag ball championship team had Tom Brady as their quarterback still, which is just a, amazing that he's still, at 250 years <laughs> old. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So you only wish. <laughs> I want to jump back a bit to the when they left Space Dock. Pike left the bridge, left the con to uh, Ortegas, and uh, went to his quarters, which is awesome. I love the I love the captain's quarters that they designed on the different ships, like Discovery and now on the Enterprise. They all have little fireplaces, which is fantastic, and lots of wood. Uh, but they have this. He has this chat with Spock uh, talking about how experiencing his death and I was thinking he he's experienced his death which will give him an interesting frame of reference <laughs> when Spock goes through it too he can recall he, that Pike did it too if you remember in Star Trek Voyage uh, Voyage Home uh, when Spock and McCoy have this conversation Spock says mm -hmm. well you haven't had a this frame of reference that comment from a reference on this so I, I just thought that was kind of a, I, I, I don't think it was intentional but I just thought it was a funny little connection there. Um, yeah. But Pike, I, I do want to do want to mention since you brought it up the design of, of the Enterprise. I I like this so much more oh, yeah. than any other ship that they have made for New Trek. Yes, it's so much more light. It's so much more open. It's more colorful. Yeah, I just I think it looks so. It's the best design I think personally for the interior than any other I, ship they've had so far. I think they spent a lot of time getting it right because this is the Enterprise. This isn't Discovery or Stargazer or any other ship. This is the most important ship in all of Star Trek. And if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. This was the first, the Enterprise original, no A, no B, no bloody C, as Scotty says. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, this is the one. And so I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad they did a good job with it. Um, so Pike and Spock have this conversation Mm -hmm. And how will the no this knowledge of death affect Pike? That's what he's wondering. Will it make me hesitant? Will it make me reckless? Because you think about it, if he knows how he's going to die, quote unquote, in 10 years, well, Let's I'm not going to die today. risks now. Yeah, yeah. Ex yeah. exactly. So uh, it's interesting. And Spock has this line where he says, he tells him, suffering can be transformed into insight. That's kind of what he's saying you know, to mm -hmm. Pike about his suffering with this knowledge is you will remember that suffering can be transformed into insight, which I think is an interesting, an interesting concept that we're Christians for whom almost, suffering is transformative. Almost Christian. Not quite. Not of course, quite. We would say that suffering can be used for redemption for our redemption for our, you know, to aid in our salvation, but yes. still, I mean, it, it's closer. Yeah. I, I, I kind of I thought it was an interesting and I'm kind of I'll, I'll be interested to see where they take it that, you know, and and if they can make something of that in future it's, episodes. It, it's interesting. It um, it it puts me in mind of an incident that happened oh more than 20 years ago when it was after my wife died and I moved to California and started working for Catholic Answers. And um, and I took a call from a guy who was a former Protestant pastor who had 
left the ministry under a cloud for things he had done. Not as bad as you may be thinking, but but he had left the ministry under a cloud and it was a painful experience for him. And I talked to him over the phone and it apparently um, was something he found very helpful because he then um, he then later, I guess he called back and talked to a different Catholic Answers employee. And that employee came to me and said, you know, he your previous conversation with him really, really helped. And he said, Jimmy Aiken must really have suffered because he was so understanding of what I was going through. And I hadn't really thought of it, but I guess, well, yeah, I my wife had died. Um, I I had been suffering a lot. um, And I I I guess that, you know, I mean, sure, I guess that's that's made given me insight. So suffering can become insight. It's given me insight into the mm-hmm. situation when other people are suffering. Um, but uh, but it hadn't occurred to me if I meet a kind person to infer that the kind person must have great suffering in their background. Well, when mm-hmm. you think about it, the word compassion literally means to mm-hmm. suffer with. And yeah, so or you know, etymologically, yeah, etymologically. Right. So it's kind of an interesting concept that we've assumed into our our uh, society, into our way of being, which is that we suffer with others. That is mm-hmm. compassion. Yeah. So from the from the sublime to the ridiculous, when <laughs> they be, when they beam down Spock's first line <laughs> is Captain, where are my pants? And in the broader camera angle, we see that short pants are apparently common on this planet. Maybe it's like, uh, uh, yeah, (laughs) Uh, the outback is Australia, you know, where they wear short pants. And and that was. And it was after Pike said, it's always an alley. Why is it always an alley? <laughs> right. Why well, we there's a good reason for that. It's an alley. So you don't beam down in the middle of a public square and get seen by people. Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah. So they've they've got to beam down to this planet that has no space infrastructure yet has warp capability. And that's when they find out, as you mentioned in this in the recap, that they have a warp bomb uh, that and. It, it, there's a the conflict here is that if the planet doesn't hasn't developed warp drive, then the prime the, well what they're calling General Order One they don't call it the Prime Directive yet at this point in the episode General Order One applies then they're not to interfere and so they're not supposed to get involved what's going on, on the planet which then you the question is is have they already contaminated the planet by having their ship and their crew get beamed down and all that sort of stuff and captured of the other ship uh, nevertheless. The uh, Pike says, I, I don't care. We're going down. We're not leaving our people behind. Um, and this is when they go to sick bay. We see Dr. Mabenga, which we he actually was. We saw him in uh, the original series. He in the episode of Private Little mm-hmm. War. Uh, that that's uh, his appearance and they've, there. They've culture swapped him because even though he I mean, he was a black guy in the original series, which was great. Uh, but he he didn't have a an African accent and they've now yeah. given him one he implied he's from Kenya. Right. Right. Um, and then we have Christine Chapel. Who, oh, by the way, I was yeah. in connection with that one concept from the original series that never made it on screen, but that I loved mm-hmm. and would love mm-hmm. to see them use in this since they've introduced Uhura is the idea that she was from the United States of Africa. Yeah. So she was and and that, you know, makes sense in the Star Trek future. You have the European Union becoming a basically one nation. You have North America become you basically got all the national boundaries ended up falling. They still exist, but not as separate nations. So like Mm -hmm. Riker can be from Alaska 
Um, and he's an, he identifies as an American rather than a Canadian. But um, so the, the old geographical districts exist, but they somehow gradually merged into under single governments. And having a United States of Africa would make a lot of sense at some stage of of, of yeah. history. Yep. So um, so the idea was Uhura was from the U- from the other USA. And I thought that was a really cool concept. I hope they bring that up. Yeah, I do, too. Um, so we have Christine Chapel, who we're told is on loan to Starfleet, and she's a geneticist, mm-hmm. which actually fits to the original backstory. I mean, Christine Chapel wasn't um, just your average r- r- everyday nurse in the original series. She had a, a scientific background. She went to space looking for Roger Corby, if you remember from What a mm-hmm. Little Girl's Made Of. Um, but she has a scientific background. So that that's actually a pretty good uh, connection there. Um, and they they do the uh, the gene therapy and uh to beam down uh, we have Kyle let's see uh, so you mentioned uh, lieutenant's uh Noonien Singh thinking fast using the two scientists to break into the warp bomb building which I, I know it's a star trek thing they always do this why are the super top secret facilities with very important military things always in the middle of the city and not like in the middle of the, the desert like Groom Lake is. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say they're equivalent to Montana, you mean? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but anyway, uh, but they this is what they do. Budgetary uh, reasons. Right. Yep. So they've, they've, they eventually make their way into the building, uh, getting past security. Uh, I have to say the Kylie security uh, uniforms have really cool hats like <laughs> those oh, funky hats notice. okay yeah take a look at it when you next time you see a picture uh, from the uh, season the episode um they get uh, number one out and she says uh the zero point with dis- the whole explanation the zero point with discovery the point where discovery went into the wormhole to the future was just one light year from the planet and so much was happening in the sky that the people of the planet were able to detect the warp signature and reverse engineer a matter antimatter reactor from that. And I'm thinking a light year is still pretty far away. And what is it? Less than a light year, less than a light year. Okay. Well, because otherwise we'd have a time problem. If it's only been three months, the light wouldn't have gotten there from the event yet, much less would they have had time to build anything. Okay. Yeah. But, but even then, I just feel like like how much could they have gleaned from that in three months to reverse engineer a matter into matter reactor from yeah. something you saw outside your solar system? Well, the lesson is just discovery is extremely destructive and it's <laughs> mm-hmm. evil and corrupts everything it's within a light year of. That's right. So yeah. we, should, <laughs> we should forget it. Um, yeah. So, you know, the only thing, only thing I could, I could figure, of course, this is, this is headcanon is that they already had the knowledge of matter, antimatter. Yeah. I mean, they already know how to do that. They maybe even knew how to create antimatter, well, but then how can. to control it. Yeah. 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 But you know how to control it in a way that could produce the 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 warp bomb, the matter antimatter bomb. Yeah, this is a scientific flaw because we can make a matter antimatter reactor now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have them, um, but they're just we we don't use them for that purpose because it takes way more energy to make antimatter. Right. Then um, you get from it. Then you get from colliding it with matter. But we have matter antimatter collisions all the time in our particle accelerators. We just use them for research rather than power production. Right. Um, So the trick would be finding a a cheap way, meaning an energy inexpensive way to make antimatter. 
But once you can do that, mm-hmm. using it to build a reactor, that's simple. Um, yeah, just yeah. keep the antimatter in a magnetic uh, bottle. And then when you want the power, you you t- either take some out of the bottle or turn off the bottle and boom, you've got your power. Right. Yep. So then uh, we have uh, Pike, who's decided not to leave the planet under these conditions of contamination. He says, and screw he, General and Order 1. <laughs> he speaks for all of the fans everywhere when he says, screw General Order Number 1. That's what <laughs> yep. the fans are always thinking. And yeah. for once, they hung a lantern on it and let someone say it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he approaches one of the uh, people from Kylie and says, take me to your leader, which yeah. is good. <laughs> nice. I, I like that look, too. He's just kind of like, OK, I've got to say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, you know, he's, he's a classic sci-fi fan. He's watching, you know, the yep. uh, the Day of the Earth stood still. Uh, so the local Klaatu leader of, may even have that line in this island earth. It's been a while since I've seen it. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the, the, the leader of this local country, nation state, whatever. Um, she's not she says she's not interested in this high minded rhetoric when she's facing a bloody civil war. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you do realize that setting off the equivalent of, you know, multi, 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 multi megaton nukes is a bad idea. Like. This is not going to end well for you, but, you know, um, I like her line. She says after his high mind, high minded rhetoric, she says, you've given me a proverb. A proverb is less useful than a big stick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Very good. And uh, so he decides to force her hand and which is. Oh, yeah. And the way he does it is great because another nice thinking through the technology, uh-huh. um, they've got Siri on their communicators. <laughs> so right. even though her his, his and Spock's communicators are laying on her desks, Pike just says, emergency transmission, Pike to Enterprise, get down into the atmosphere. Right. Yep. So right. they're voice activated communicators. Which is uh, which is a great advance in the uh, in the technology. It makes sense. Well, and it makes it how many times do you see even up into Voyager where the communicators are literally sitting five feet away from them on a table and they can't just voice activate them. <laughs> right. Or they get it on their chest, you know, where they could uh, where they could, you know, yep. activated voice that way, too. Uh, and so the the appearance of an alien spaceship over their capital city, presumably, causes everyone to stop what they're doing, which is when you think about it, if that were to happen, if, if as you alien, do, <laughs> alien spaceships yeah. were to materialize over Washington, D.C. or New York City or Moscow or whatever, everyone would stop to be, because there's a new thing that is that has changed everything. And mm-hmm. so that's that, I like that. Um, everyone is like looking up going, I want one. When is it on Amazon so I can order it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Take me with you. Um, so. Pike ends up showing the people from Kylie that their future based on Earth's past, the the second civil war that started with the divisions of 2021, which then became the eugenics war and then just became World War Three, which, which is, is a bit of a change yeah, of the timeline. That's retconning because the eugenics war has happened in the 90s. Yeah. 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 Uh, so they're they're well, retconning it a bit. And they, they kind of. Well, when we talk about Picard, which I think you'll have heard, you will have heard it because we're talking about this first. (laughs) They, you know, they show at the end. They show Adam soon with uh, with the uh, the con project con, yeah. But it's a funding proposal from 1996. Yep, right. But it's yeah, yeah. So so they're fitting it in timeline. They're 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 messing with the timeline. Uh, Some people have pointed out that the uh, footage that we see of the civil disturbances on Kylie. 
include mm-hmm. uh, footage from Ukraine's maiden, uh, Kiev's maiden yep. square with, from the 2014 uprisings. <laughs> so mm. there's a yeah. Ukrainian flag. Timely. Yes. Uh, that, so that's a bit of a, an error there because it's supposed to be on Kylie. But then there's the footage mm. of division on earth, which includes the, some of the January 6th footage, which, you know, is. Yep. I, I want to compliment Anson Mount's uh, acting in this scene yes. because it, mm-hmm. it, this is a very hard kind of scene to deliver where you're, you, it's so easy to come off as, as arrogant and preachy when you're delivering this kind of Star Trek rhetoric. And he manages to humanize it. In fact, right from the very first line, he beams down into the middle of these predictably squabbling. I mean, we see these we see this aerial shot looking mm-hmm, down mm-hmm. at the floor of the building where they're meeting. And we've got the two alien leaders at podiums kind of close to each other. And they're gesticulating wildly and clearly angry as they are the aides behind them. And it's like, OK, this is a very stereotypical way of communicating. These people are irrationally hostile to each other. And then Anson Mount beams down in the middle of it all. And he just looks at the two leaders and says, hi. almost bashful yeah excuse me he's almost bashful (laughs) that he kind of snuck in but that was great that was a great moment then we have uh yeah he tells them i'm here to remind you of the power of possibility and until the very end life is to be lived gloriously because until the last moment the future is what we make it and that's really his answer to his own internal conflict as Mm -hmm. in addition to what he's telling them here is life life is to be lived no matter how much time we have whether we know it's the moment it ends or not you've got to live every moment of life until its end and and i think that's really the star trek ethos at its best is you know Mm -hmm. go explore strange new worlds seek out new life and new civilizations find what there is to find it is a wonderful universe Live in it, enjoy it, be kind to one another yeah. in it, and do the good things in it. And I think that's compatible with our yeah. own Christian ride, worldview. Ride horses on snowy wind farms. I would know. totally yeah. do that. It, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and it. I like. The, I do like the way he he presented it because it wasn't the bombastic you know, Kirk speech or something like that. It was almost humble because, yeah. you know, he mentions, you know, a friend of mine reminded me about this, you know, and he kind of smiles thinking about his conversation with Spock, yes. you know, very, very simple, very humble, but very powerful. Yeah. I mean, very well done. Uh, I like it. And I think uh, I, and I agree. It is Anson Mount's delivery that makes the difference in this from, from being, you know, sort of arrogant to a little more humble and heartfelt. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it makes I mean, I know we keep slagging on Discovery, but if if it were if this were delivered by any of the Discovery oh, actors, it would have a whole different arrogant well, tone. Think, <laughs> think of the Lordex episode where uh, Boimler was being was part of the group that's training to be bridge crew, and they they're doing their speeches, yes. and then there's an emergency, yeah. <laughs> and all they do is stand and speechify. Right. It would have been like that instead. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so th- we have a few closing scenes where we have um uh one scene where Pike confronts uh Noonien Singh Lan. for Lan. Sorry. I, yeah, I should just say Lan. Uh for not Yeah, but but get the glottal stop in there. It's not Lan, it's La'an. La'an, yes. La'an. <laughs> like Hawaii. Uh so um he confronts her like for not trusting him. Like she she mm-hmm. she he, she wants him to trust her, but he says, Well you need to trust me too. And what that's about is she had already met number one on a previous mission. Number one was the one who found her after the Gorn set her adrift. Mm-hmm. And so she has a history with number one that she didn't mention 
to Pike. And so when they get to where number one is being held on the planet, it's, he starts introducing them. It's like, oh, yeah, we know each other. And it's like, you didn't tell me that. It's like, I'll, I'll tell you later. Right. Mm. She was she was afraid that her past association would have meant that Pike wouldn't have trusted her on the mission. And that's where he says, well, you know, you should have trusted me then. You know, if, if you wanted me yeah. to trust you in that, you should have trusted me. Uh, so then we, and we have Lieutenant Sam Kirk coming aboard. I should have mentioned earlier, the Sam Kirk that we see in original series Operation Annihilate is played by Bill Shatner with a mustache, yep. which is why the mustache is important in that mustache, uh, a little bit of makeup to make him look just a little bit older. Yeah. Just from the pictures I've seen. So, so. I'm sure that, I mean, I'm sure this just the mustache itself has a, has a fan lineage. And so you had to have it. That's why and he's in assigned to life sciences. So Pike tells him that Spock is his boss. So presumably yes. we'll see him in future episodes and he will be one of the blue yep. shirts who doesn't die because his appointment with death is an operation annihilate. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, and then we have a, uh, a scene on Starbase One with Admiral Apel, uh, who basically tells them how they got out of the violating general condition, General Order One, which the Federation High Court is really now going to really, really make important. Or Federation Council is really making important by calling it the Prime Directive and by kind of waves it away like, oh, no one loves that'll never stick as a name, which is funny. So. Yeah. Um, and the the rationale legally is the Federation Council can't acknowledge the event that happened with Discovery. And so they can't uh, ex publicly acknowledge how the planet was technologically corrupted. Yeah. And um, and that means that uh, that they can't explain um, why the planet was not qualified for being warp capable and 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 why they shouldn't why the prime directive sh they, they they can't legally explain why the prime directive should apply to the planet right and therefore they mm -hmm. can't establish that pike and crew violated the prime directive right right so uh that's where we end the episode and well, so we also get shots of, of people doing stuff including yeah. including the uh anar andorian uh chief engineer coming aboard named hammer who we'll get yep. to meet next mm -hmm. week right and uh, so final thoughts on the first episode of Strange New Worlds, Father Corey? I, I mean, I really enjoy it. I thought for, you know, first episode, this was a very strong first episode. You know, you, I, I've seen people online kind of complain it's kind of weak. Well, yeah, it's a first episode. It's going to be weak. Um, I like the I got kind of got a kick out of the scene where, you know, Spock is he's it's painful for him, this, this DNA transfer, detransformation, if you will, going back to his original uh, DNA. And it's the pain is unbearable. And then just the, as they're coming up to the security guards, just screams and everybody's looking at him. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's a powerful scream. I'm better now. Yeah. I'm better now. <laughs> that was good. Uh, you know, I just as, as you're saying, like first episodes are weak. As first episodes of a series go, this might be one of the best from my point of view. So, For Star Trek, yeah, definitely. Star Trek, yeah, yeah, I can't think of a better off the top of my head. I mean, original series didn't really have one. Animated series is animated series. Um, Next Gen's beginning was terrible. Deep Space yeah. Nine's mm -hmm. was better, but still not great. Enterprises, uh, Voyagers was who cares. Uh, Enterprises yeah. was who cares. Um Discovery, Discovery, you know, yeah. I mean, we all know where that went. Um, yeah. But uh, this is this was I for a first episode. This may be the most enjoyable one I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. 
Any other um, thoughts? Other thing. Yeah. Other thing I wanted to mention of at the end they had a, a like a in memorial of April Nochefora. She was a producer on both Discovery and Strange New Worlds and died mm. within the past year of cancer. Oh, okay. and so she was involved in the production of the la- the fourth season of Discovery and the- this first season of Strange New Worlds and developed cancer during that. Oh, so. okay, All right. I figured she was someone who had died, but I didn't know who she was. Mm. Yeah. So, Jimmy, uh, thoughts on this episode? So, I like how. At the beginning of the episode, uh, Pike says a few times when people asked him what's got him down, he says it's classified. Mm. And <laughs> um, and that's true. Uh, I mean, he says that to Captain Patel. He says that to uh, to Admiral April. Um, uh, Captain Patel says to him, I've got a deeper security clearance than you. And it's like, yeah, you do know how compartmentalized programs work, right? <laughs> Right. 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 Um, just having a high level security clearance doesn't mean you are granted access nope. to this program or to this event. Right. Um, I, I liked, really liked it. At one point we get uh, Anson Mount now doing the classic Star Trek opening mm-hmm. monologue. Yes. And, and, you know, to seek out new life and new civilizations, all that. And that was very effective. Yes. Um, Spock, when he's talking to Tupring, mentions that Salon has seas of liquid mercury. And my first thought was, well, then humans better never go there because mercury yeah. is extremely toxic to humans mm-hmm. um, and will get in through your skin. And so element 80 is one you really kind of want to steer clear of. <laughs> Amazingly, it used to be used as a medicine. Um, because it's it's toxic and your body will attempt to expel it. And so they used it for various Expelling conditions. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and like, wow, but it doesn't all get expelled and it's it causes nerve damage and it is really bad stuff. So <laughs> don't go to the beach on Salon is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. right. Um. There's also a reference in the Starbase One, which is apparently set around Jupiter. Um, they have these forests under domes, and Pike gives uh, Laan a kind of speech about how the forests got there. And I think there's a con- I think there's an intentional reference here to a 1972 movie called Silent Running, yeah, um, which was about forests under domes in space and why the environmental disaster that led to him being put up there and what happens with them. Um, and then at the end, they give us the start date of 2259.42. And I'm going, but you said it was in the 1700s at the beginning of the episode. What's going on? <laughs> right, right. So I want closure on that, but they didn't yeah. give it to us. Apparently the year is 2259. So well, fine, but that makes that start previous. Sound, the beginning yeah. of the episode wasn't in the seven in the in the seventeen hundreds when yeah. the U.S. was still thirteen colonies, right? Or, right, <laughs> and the original series had star dates in the in the thousands to two thousand. So who knows? Uh, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like ah, it's frustrating, uh, but uh, I, we have to blame the original series for for messing that up in the first place. Uh, all right. Well, so uh, I, I've given you my my thoughts on it, too. I, I think it's a great first uh, outing. I've always loved Anson Pike as Cap- uh, Anson Mount as Captain Pike. And, uh, I think the rest of the crew so far, I'm liking them. I uh, like the ship and the writing and drama have been really good. And I'm really looking forward to 
to going back to what we've always loved, the original classic Trek style of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to getting much, much more of that from the series. Uh, this is this is looking good. All right. Uh, so let's wrap it up there. This has been a long episode. So we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Nicholas C., Wesley B., Andrew K., uh, Janelyn M., and Kevin T. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that, that's it from us. We would love to hear what you thought of Strange New Worlds. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media. You can send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of strange new worlds called children of the comet until then father Corey stiga thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of star trek thank you dom jimmy yakin thank you as well thank you and it's classified <laughs> and once again i'm dom bettinelli thank you for listening to the secrets of star trek on star quest and remember until the very end life is to be lived gloriously because until the last moment The future is what we make of it.